You're listening to All The Things with Shams and Bex. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's been it's been a busy day. Mm-hmm. A Betty Betty busy day. Has it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, it's okay. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I'm just <sighs> I'm just, I don't know, tired. Kylie had like this I, I just can't catch up, I guess, with like not being tired, but then I also got my mutty today. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. But like Thursday night, was it Thursday night? Yeah. Thursday night, Kylia like got really sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was complaining of tummy issues. She was she. I guess she'd been in the bathroom all night, and so she came in at like two a.m. I'm just I'm just gauging how much like info I should give because I don't want to gross people <laughs> out. Right. And if you're listening to this, you're probably a parent, and you right. probably get it. But like, this is actually a pretty funny story in a way. But there's a lot of graphic detail. Should I tell it? Speaking of yes, but hold on. I am so sorry. Kenny girl, mommy's podcasting, baby. <laughs> Give me just a minute. I'm sorry. That's mom life. <laughs> right? I know, baby. I'm so sorry. Give me just a minute. Watch something with daddy. And that is probably going to be freaking so loud on the audio, too. I'm so sorry. Nah, you're not that loud. Okay, good. That That's is hilarious. Good. Yeah, I get it. I'm gonna have to text back. I know, and she's like, "Mother, sorry, baby." She was just like, "I don't want to." I could hear her. I don't want to. I want to be with you. (laughs) So bad. Hey, we can just Uh, let her have the microphone, and she can entertain the people. Oh oh my gosh, for real, her stories are hilarious. Okay, but go on. What was happening? Okay, are you ready for this? Yes, I think yes. It's very graphic. So if you're someone listening and you're like, there's no way I can listen to something this gross, just, 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 I don't know. Skip That's ahead. Yeah. Just skip five ahead. minutes or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just have to tell it because honestly, it's just, it's horrid and awful, but at the same time, just kind of funny. Okay. Yes. So 2 a.m. comes in my room. Mommy, my tummy's hurting. I've been in the bathroom all night. I'm sure you guys understand what that means. And I'm like, all right. So I get up. I always rub essential oils on her tummy. And then every couple months, this poor thing's been having a stomach bug. It is ridiculous. I just, I don't know what to do. I, I, she has all the vitamins, the elderberries, everything. And I think it's just, there's not much I can do. She's in school with a bunch of kids and there's just not a lot I can do about it. So she gets a stomach bug like every couple of months. So we have Pepto-Bismol. On, you know, for kids. And so I gave her one, I guess you're supposed to do like two tablets, but I always start with like half of one or mm-hmm. one for her just to see if that will work before I give her like the full dosage of two. Um, so I gave it to her. She went lay down, whatever, Two thirty. So, okay. Let me just preface this. So Kylia has a loft bed and it's a big loft bed like the stairs are pretty like big stairs to get up to the top and it's just it's a very tall bed yeah so and I had to preface that because you'll understand so 
All I hear is, because I had left my door open, because I was like, just in case. And usually, if she says she has like a tummy issue, I go and grab a bowl and I give it to her just in case. Yeah. Did not do that. Didn't even think to do it because, again, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Didn't right. even think to do it. So all of a sudden, I hear half an hour later, oh, no. And then you just hear a ton of puke hitting something. It's <laughs> just oh, disgusting. No. And then I hear, mommy. And then I hear her literally slipping down her stairs. So I'm like, oh, all right, no. she's slipping on gross stuff and falling uh-huh. down the stairs. So I go running in there again. I like was like, ju- I was falling back asleep at this point. I uh-huh. jump out of bed. I run to her room and immediately, obviously the smell that hits me is like awful. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I know this is going to be bad. And I go and look and the sound that I heard was she stood at the end of her bed and just threw up on the top step mm-hmm. and it went <laughs> Everywhere, it everywhere, because it's splattered oh, no. off the top step. Everywhere, yeah. Becca. It was behind, oh, like no. the stairs behind the stairs on the walls. She has a desk right there, like right at the bottom of the stairs, um, under the loft bed. It was all over the desk, all over the floor between the stairs and the desk, all over. Like she had like a bin of crayons and markers. It was all in there. Like it was everywhere. And then the poor thing, when she threw up, she also pooped all over the end of her bed. Oh no. (laughs) That sucks. I know this is horrible, but I have to laugh because it was. It sounds horrible. (laughs) And so I like, I literally just like stood there, like, what am I supposed to do right now? Like, yeah. My brain's not working, so I just go and get a bunch of towels. Obviously, that wakes Bran up, so I'm grabbing a bunch of towels. I go back to her room. I'm just trying to, like, clean up as much as I can while also, like, how am I going to clean all this up? And, you know, so I wipe everything up with towels as much as I can, and then I had to, like, get paper towels and get, like, spray to spray everything down and wipe everything down. And then I had to, like, grab all her blankets and throw it in the wash and take the towels and throw the wash. Becca? Brant mm-hmm. comes and he walks, he comes to the doorway to see what's going on. And he was like, oh my God. Oh God. And I was like, Brant, I'm trying my best to clean this up. Can oh my God. Like, God. He's like, you don't have to snap at me. And I'm like, I also don't want to do this at 2 30 in the morning. Yes. <laughs> so he Truly. goes back to bed. It was two hours later. I went to bed at 4 30. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. It was horrible. It was awful. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was just I was like I looked at her and I was like, next time, can you just throw up in the blankets? It would be a lot less mess. Oh my gosh, for real. <laughs> oh, so but that god, was it. Okay. That was the one time and then she was fine for the rest of the night. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, I know. So then I was supposed to sub the next day. I ended up calling in and saying, hey, I'm not going to make it. Because I literally got done at 4.30. And then I couldn't fall asleep till 5.30. Like, And you know me. I hit the pillow when I'm out. I couldn't because I kept hearing phantom calls. 
Oh, gosh, yes. You know? And then I was just like, oh, my gosh, what if she gets sick again? So, like, my body didn't really want to go to sleep. It took a while. So, I was exhausted all day Friday. I was a zombie. Brant was tired, so he called off of work. He stayed home. And I literally did nothing. I just, like, literally did nothing. He did all the cooking. And he did, like, just everything for the day. And then yesterday, he had a softball tournament all day. Mm-hmm. Had a birthday party in the morning and so I had the kids all by myself the next day but I still was kind of tired um yeah I don't know it's just it's just gone on to today too I'm tired today too so oh, and, yeah. yeah but I'm also like on edge because I'm just waiting for a mom to go into labor <gasps> yeah that's right because yeah, she's she's past due uh-huh it's fine but um they scheduled her induction for Wednesday her induction is supposed to be Wednesday at four, and I thought it would be in the morning because most inductions are. And so mm-hmm. now I'm just like biting my nails because I'm like, well, it can take a while for things to happen after you get induced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If she is one of those people where it takes a while, then she's going to go into Thursday and it could possibly go into Friday. And Friday night is Kylia's fall festival at school that I'm the PTO president and I'm supposed to be there for. Oh, yeah. So I'm, like, really on edge about this mom going into labor. I'm like, maybe, Lord, can she just go into labor maybe before Wednesday? Right. That would be yeah, really would be so nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> really helpful. Super, super helpful. Yeah. So oh, that's me. I'm just a ball of nerves. That's all. Ball oh, of nerves I'm and tired. So sorry. Yeah. But it's all good. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> How's your week been? Oh. My, it's been, you know a lot it's been a lot um some good some bad but overall just just a whole lot yeah (laughs) yeah but I mean it's just life you just gotta just gotta keep moving just gotta keep rolling yeah it's true yeah yeah but good yeah that's good Mm mm-hmm and I'm just in like this really really weird phase right now too of like just not really knowing what I'm feeling most days because yeah. I can't really tell like if it's stress or if it's morning or if it's you know all the things yeah um so yeah I just am in this really really just grasping at straws right now <laughs> just grasping at straws yeah I get that <laughs> yes I'm sure it can, I'm sure it can be pretty exhausting on its own just like not knowing what feelings you're dealing with day to day Mhm. Mhm. Most definitely. Yeah. But anywho, what are we talking about today? We got we got multiple things we're talking about. Are you starting or am I starting? Well, I want you to start because I um was actually looking at the same thing today and I'm so interested to hear what you like found out. And my things, I can do really, really quick. So you go first, and then I'm just going to come in with some other little fun, interesting factoids. Okay. Um, so I was trying to do a lot of digging. Obviously, there's – I don't know. I couldn't find a ton. So definitely, if you have, like, other information that you want to add in, please do. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're obviously we're in October. We've been wanting to kind of do more of like, I don't know, spooky Halloween 
type stuff. And so last week we did um, an urban legend. We talked about some urban legends. So if you guys have not listened to that episode, go listen to that one. Um, And this week we just kind of wanted to talk about a couple fun things that everybody does um, and kind of like what the history is behind it. Mm-hmm. Before I start, Rebecca, are you guys, do you guys do pumpkin patches? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah as a family, you guys go. Is it something that, like, you guys look forward to doing every fall? Or is it kind of like a fall-by-fall basis if you're going to do it? Is it a so tradition? Yeah, it's most definitely something that I look forward to every single year. And it is something that Zach puts up with and endures every single year. Yeah, that's probably Brant. He's like, it's a pumpkin patch. We've been to a pumpkin patch. It's the same. And I'm like, no, it's not. And this one has this one. This one doesn't have this. And so do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And he's yeah. like, I, I don't care. Oh. So, but yeah, it's, it is a forced tradition, I feel like. Although we sort of kind of got a little jumbled because we did the Sunflower Festival mm-hmm. at the very last uh, second to last weekend in September mm-hmm. and then we kind of rolled in so we haven't really been to a proper pumpkin patch yet mm-hmm. so I'm actually really excited for that yeah we used to have a tradition um in California there was a small small town that my in-laws lived in called Ramona and mm-hmm. they had a it was a very small family pumpkin patch but they had a pretty good sized corn maze and then they had little pony rides and like a, a corn shoot like you uh put the corn husk in and it would shoot it at like targets you know mm-hmm. the field and you try to hit some targets and then they had a couple like some animals and a cute little area to take pictures like it was a really small situation and of course they had pumpkins and we would do it every year because it was our tradition to do it every year you know and there was a sign that we took pictures at every year to see how Kylia had grown and we took our family pictures at the same rock and you know it was Mm -hmm. a very traditional thing so we did that every year and then there was another pumpkin patch that we used to go to that was much bigger and had a, a lot more things to do and the pricing wasn't too bad So we had two that we always hit in San Diego. And then obviously we came to Utah and did corn bellies. And that was like probably one of the cooler situations we'd ever done. And that was like a special family night thing with, I think it was Kylie's school or the church that Kylie's school was at. So they had like a really good deal. And um, so we didn't pay very much to do it. But I heard that corn bellies pricing has gone up a lot since we were out there. Um, which is fine. But like out here, we have not really made a tradition of going to pumpkin patches. I absolutely love mm-hmm. them. Um, but I, I just have such a hard time paying what these places want you to pay. Like we were looking at one and we would have to drive an hour and it's $20 a person, including the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you're spending a hundred bucks for your family to go. It's just crazy. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. I don't think that that's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, eh, I'll just go to one of these small little pumpkin patches, take a couple pictures, pick up a small little pumpkin and be done. I mean, I honestly don't even buy the pumpkins at the pumpkin patches. Do you? Mm-mm, no, because they're so expensive. And I yeah, get we just it. Find somewhere else. they're like small farms. And I get it. Like, you know, help 
the like the smaller things instead of going to mass stores and stuff. But I'm sorry when I have to buy multiple pumpkins, I don't want to spend $20 a pumpkin. Yeah. hundred percent. So I don't know. I'm really hoping that maybe we'll get to one this year, but probably not. (laughs) Yeah. And we didn't go to one last year either. Cause the one weekend we were supposed to go that I actually got discounted tickets for Kylie ended up getting the stomach bug. Wow. Mm. Um, right. <laughs> and we ended up not going. So, uh, okay. So, so I, I was asking that question because I'm going to talk about the history behind pumpkin patches. Yeah. But, First, before I talk about the pumpkin patches, because they said jack-o'-lanterns actually came before pumpkin patches did. Did you know that? Uh-huh. So we'll talk about the story of Stingy Jack. Have Yay! You okay, yes. Yes. Okay. So the story of Stingy Jack is a Celtic tradition in mm-hmm. Ireland and the Scottish Highlands. And they used to... Um, well, okay, I'm sorry. Not the st- not the story of Stingy Jack, but there was a Celtic tradition in Ireland and, and the Scottish Highlands, and it was, you know, they used to carve turnips, which we've talked about this. I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, on All Hallows' Eve, and then they would take an ember, and they would place it in the turnip so that it would light up after they had carved it, right? And mm-hmm. it would be to ward off evil spirits, so that's why they mm-hmm. did that. Um, sometimes they would also supposedly carve out like rutabagas, gourds, potatoes, uh, beets, I don't know, things like that, I guess that were like, um, things that were planted around that season, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what they did. And then they have their little Irish story that they tell, and it's the story of Stingy Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, so supposedly Stingy Jack, he was like ugh, an old man. He was really grouchy and miserable. He drank too much. And um, yeah, they called him like the old drunk. And um, he would he liked to play tricks on people. Yes. So according to the legends, Jack was such the trickster. He was able to even play a trick on the devil himself. Trapping mm-hmm. him up in an apple tree, surrounding it with crosses so the devil couldn't get down, and refusing to let him down until the devil swore he wouldn't take old stingy Jack's soul when Jack died. Well, when Jack did die, he found himself locked out of those pearly gates for being so mean and miserable during his time on earth. Jack then went to hell, but when he arrived, the devil stayed true to his word from their last encounter and wouldn't let old Jack in. Jack was stuck. He pleaded with the devil how he could leave with it so dark he would be lost forever. The devil must have had a mo- had a moment because he tossed Jack an ember from hell and Jack put it in his turnip because, you know, it was hot. Jack left doom to walk eternity between heaven and hell with nothing but his jack-o'-lantern to light his way. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of old Stingy Jack. And so, of course... I mean, it's like, well, but we use pumpkins. And it's just because, like, when they came here, like, when they came across on a boat and they got here, they saw pumpkins and they were like, oh, those are much bigger. Yeah. So let's try to carve into those. And that's how a pumpkin jack-o'-lantern happened. Correct. 
basically. Is that what you said? Yes. And then there's there's another little, like, one of the ones that I read with the Irish folklore is, like, he first met the devil in a bar. And he had a coin. Like, it was, he ended up playing a trick on him where he ended up, there was nothing else left to drink. And then he ended up uh, getting a coin. And essentially, he played a trick on the devil the first time to come back in one year and um, not take his soul for a whole year. And then if he died in between that time, he wouldn't send him to hell. Um, Or he would, yeah, he wouldn't, like, take his soul. And then he ended up meeting the devil again. He came again. And he was like, well, you know, you're not dead. And that's when he did the tree. And that's when he, um, after that, was able to live. He lived for many years later. And then when he died, when he actually died, um, that's exactly what you said. And, you know, the devil is, of course, so good at keeping his word. I'm so happy for Cindy Jack. Because that's just uh, one of the many, many characteristics about the devil that's just, you know, he's always sticking to his word, that guy. Right? It's just funny to me. Because a lot of the stuff that we actually do have is just from um, all the immigrants we have in this country. And it's just, it's really funny to me to think about like the true origin stories because yeah, it's just, it's interesting. But yes, that's, that's what I read as well. Yeah. Which is, I had honestly never, ever, ever heard that story. Yeah. Yeah. Because last year I knew that we had talked about, um, when we were going over Samhain um, and like the origin story of like Halloween and how it got here and all the different, you know, ways that it was interpreted until we created and have what we have now. Um, You had mentioned the thing about turnips and potatoes because it was just, it was what they had over there. And when they immigrated here being the land of pumpkins and, you know, having such plentiful access to it that's how it became so popularized for Halloween Mm -hmm. yeah which even though they had like used pumpkins as jack-o'-lanterns for a while pumpkins Mm -hmm. were still kind of known as like the whatever crop yeah like they would plant they would like you know have them but they just they weren't considered a major crop Mm -hmm. it was an afterthought Mm mm-hmm which is really interesting because it's like, well, why plant pumpkins then? Yeah. Like if it wasn't such a huge thing, I don't know why they would even do it. Because obviously that means that maybe they weren't really into eating pumpkins. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is the fact that pumpkins are just so hardy. Like the seeds really do take root. And so it's just easy for it to cultivate. Yeah. And it was, like you said, it was an afterthought just based upon the fact that it is such an easy crop for them to so keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it probably became a lot more um, um, lucrative than they thought it would. Which Heck yeah. has me lead into how pumpkin patches started. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like I said, they were, pumpkins were kind of an afterthought. Um, until basically trick-or-treating skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., then they were just kind of like, eh, whatever. But basically, um, it was the farmers that uh, recognized that there was 
an opportunity for them to make some money if they would plant pumpkins and have people come to them instead of having these pumpkins that they then had to sell to the stores. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, you, they lose a little bit of money on that um, because it's going to the stores, right? So right. Um, they started to just harvest pumpkins and they would harvest more and more. And what they would do is they would like send invitations to the public like and they would put them all over the place and have the public come and they would um come straight to like the patches or i get you know you call it the pumpkin mm-hmm. patch, but they would come straight mm-hmm. there so that they could cut out the middleman and uh get all the money themselves yeah instead of having to like get rid of their pumpkins which is super smart because it's like uh, why i i don't know yeah but i guess they still they still sell it to um big stores right so i don't know why um like how that changed but it was mostly small towns because pumpkins take up so much space so it wasn't really a very popular thing to do everywhere it was like these really small towns that did it um because that was where the space was to grow these pumpkins because like you said they grow on these vines and they just grow really big Mm -hmm. so um but yeah, they, oh, oh, there was a thing that I saw. Hold on. Uh, let me find it. It was talking about the Theodore Debray. Did you see that? Mm-mm, no. So Theodore Debray was a 16th century Dutch engraver. Um, and I guess he would do depictions of life in the mm. world after everyone had come here and settled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he saw like the pumpkin plant, which are not a lot of Native Americans, like that's, they had pumpkins. Um, and so anyway, I guess he in 1590 engraved, did an engraving of the village of Secatan. Mm-hmm. Guess what? What? It's located in present day North Carolina. Shut up. I'm not even kidding. And it was the first visual representation of a pumpkin patch. Oh my gosh, how cool. Yeah, he made an image that depicted a densely populated field of pumpkins as the focal point of a thriving agricultural community filled with both working farmers and people socializing. Nice. And that's so cool. Yeah. So he was like a huge part of that kind of starting. And of course it was in North Carolina. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so very cool. I know. I thought that was pretty cool when I saw that. Um, And then as like bigger cities were seeing how well it was doing and how popular it was becoming with people coming and getting to like pick out their own pumpkins and they were spending time there with their families and it was becoming a thing, then Mm -hmm. American cities started to take it on and that's how it then came to bigger cities um, as they saw how well it was doing and they're like, oh, well, we want to also thrive and like, you know, so let's do that. Um, And so, yeah. So now, and now it's like a huge thing. It's just an agritourism type of situation happening, you know, when it comes to pumpkins and the fall and all of that. And so um, that's why now places have added things like pony rides and hay rides and um, getting to eat while you're there and getting apple cider and stuff like that is because they just noticed that it was, it became a huge thing of people coming and spending some time there. And so they're like, well, let's add more stuff because then people will spend like, more time here and they'll come back and stuff like that so 
Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, who to thunk? A bunch I of basic white girls made pumpkin spice <laughs> just everyone's jam. <laughs> I know. It's hilarious. Okay. So I found a couple pumpkin patches around the world, like some of the big ones. Mm-hmm. So one of them is a 20-acre pumpkin patch at Craven Farm in Snohomish, Washington. Hmm. 20 acres. That's pretty big. That's a lot. And then there's a 30-acre Jumbo's pumpkin patch in Middleton, Maryland. Oh. I know. Cool. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, in Texas, because everything's bigger than te- in Texas, um, they have a 66-acre Dallas Arboretum and Botanical Garden that they created a whole village with 75,000 pumpkins for their fall festival. That's crazy. Isn't that so cool? I would yeah. love to see that. I totally need to look that up. I want to Google it and see if there's a video. On yeah, it. that's really um, cool. And then, like, around the world, there's an English town of Spalding, Lincoln, Lincolnshire. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the biggest European pumpkin patch. It produces 100,000 pumpkins daily. Very cool. I know. Isn't that so cool? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, it was, yeah. So it's just, it's become a huge thing and um, it grew a lot more after like the second world war is when it really mm-hmm. skyrocketed um, because that's also when trick or treating skyrocketed. Correct. And, um, yeah. So that's, you know, and now it's a pretty good po- pros- like prosperous thing for farmers is to do yes. that. So, it's pretty Very interesting. Cool. It's pretty cool to see like the little history behind that yeah yeah so that's what I have I don't know if you have anything to add to that very fun well yeah actually speaking of trick-or-treating because I feel like those things um are very much so related um with when it comes to trick-or-treating there was a fact that I saw when I was reading all about it and how it um evolved but one of the things that I saw the quote that I really liked it said um did you know that it is um um where did I hold on? Let me find it. It says, Do you know, although it is unknown precisely where and when the phrase trick or treat was coined, the uh, custom had been firmly established in American popular culture by 1951 when trick or treating was depicted in a Peanuts um, comic strip, strip in 1952, and Disney produced a cartoon called Trick or Treat. Featuring Donald Duck and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. No way. I had no Yeah. Why am I not surprised that... I know, right? ...was a huge part of trick-or-treating. Right? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, of course it was freaking Disney. Um, But one of the really interesting things when I was reading about trick-or-treating... So I liked that quote, quote the most because, honestly, it's really, really difficult to pinpoint, like, how exactly this happened because... We talked about this last year, but trick-or-treating in and of itself kind of um, really was born from the Celtic festivals Mm -hmm. and theology where they thought that, you know, on um, All Hallows' Eve or what have you, their dead would come back. And so either some stories will say that they hid themselves like to protect themselves from the dead that were coming back or to like entertain the dead that were coming back for a night. But Another thing that I found that was really cool, and of course, all this folklore does matter, 
in tying into all the people that immigrated to America. But there's also something called, um, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but Guy Falcon's mm-hmm. Night Celebration, yeah. which was a little bit more modern. And by modern, I mean, it was the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was there was like a big, huge plan um, in the 1600s for a person, Hawkins, to overthrow the government and remove King, King James, um, okay. a Protestant uh, form of power at that time. Mm-hmm. And anyways, that got thwarted and it became known as Bonfire Day. Um, wow. So the British children would wear masks and um, carry around bags to collect pennies for that particular person on that particular day. So that's when that celebration kind of took off um, asking for pennies and then trick-or-treating in the United States. Fast forward to the earliest 20th century when all, when all the Irish and Scottish people and everyone immigrated over um, the Great Depression kind of exasperated the whole negative outlook of trick-or-treating because people were, I mean, it was during the Great Depression, people were already on edge and holding on to everything so much and so tightly um, knit to their communities and what little they had. Um, So it became kind of a negative thing more when the kids started to do pranks or like demand sugar and flour and pastries and things that really just weren't a luxury at that time. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to think about because, you know, we think about it now and there's candy on the shelf from August until, you know, heck, after February most times. And just to think about how now trick-or-treating, sometimes it's kind of annoying and we don't want to do that community-based part of it. Mm -hmm. And we'll just fill up a bowl and stick it outside. And nobody wants to interact with kids. And, like, you have those people, like, those houses, it's like, oh, it's completely dark. They're not observing it at all, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. But to think about how much we still have compared to back then when they had nothing and like that day was almost a negative and scary to them because they didn't have anything to give you know so that was a really interesting take on it and then of course um after that when everything kind of calmed down and we did get back on our feet and candy companies were able to like capitalize on this whole idea of trick-or-treating. That's of course when America really took off and the whole thing happened. And yeah, that's how we have trick-or-treating now, but it's just interesting to see and know the stories behind it and how we have adapted and taken all those things together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just had one or two. Let me see. I like this one. Forgot. Oh yeah. Okay, so I just have two I little one question. Yeah. Do you yeah. happen to know why it was trick or treat though? Um, so yeah, because they started doing because there was no treats to give, they started doing like tricks. Pranks and things like okay. that and vandalizing things. Okay. And so that's kind of how that came about because originally um it wasn't really a trick or a treat it was more celebrating the dead or 
appeasing the dead. And then it turned into with the other events for Guy um, Hawkins, it was pennies only. And then when everybody came over after all that, without having those things, it became more trick or treat. And that's how the candy company kind of moved their way in to make sure that everybody had treats. So there's no tricks. Um, Yeah. And then something that I thought was really fun. um, I read about how consumption, so people dying by consumption or tuberculosis actually spurred the fear of vampires because at that time doctors weren't able to explain or understand quite yet the idea of bacteria and infectious disease and things like that Uh so because of the way that you did die from consumption it almost seemed like the life was being sucked out of you and that whole time during the 19th century um when tuberculosis was just claiming lives by the dozens and dozens and wiping out villages um that whole event actually spurred the idea and the thought of vampires i thought that was really fun because vampires were like supposed to be helpful no because vampires were bad and would suck you know your your soul from you but because medicine wasn't able to keep up at that time with the folklore yeah that event and people seeing it with their own eyes of how like they're losing the life from their body it just kind of spurred that idea and that folklore around vampires. Yes. And then just a fun little factoid with um, witches and brooms. I have always just growing up, you always just correlate witches and broom. And that's just kind of how it is. But the backstory behind it, the um, oldest, and I don't know if I have a date on this. Oh, I do have a date. The oldest um, depiction of a witch was in 1451 and she happened to have a broom with her and so that correlation came together because a lot of the times they would do things um, called a broomstick dance Mm -hmm. which became um, kind of common and interchangeable with witches flying around that night but really it was more of people who practice witchcraft were using brooms in a like ritual that they were doing and so when people that ended up going into common culture and communities, those two were correlated together. But in all actuality, they probably weren't using them for flying around. It was more like fertility rituals and offerings and things like that. Interesting. I know. Huh. And they weren't just using it to fly around and get from point A to point B. I'm doing Man. some pretty naughty, shady, shady things up in there. That's, I thought that's what the brooms were for. <laughs> Bummer. Take the fun out of it. <laughs> I know. Always got to bring it down. <laughs> but yeah, those were fun. Those are really fun. I enjoyed um, researching about Stingy Jack. I loved that. And yeah, those were just some fun ones that I had looked at. Sorry. My cat is Finley. What are you doing? Oh, okay. Um, anyways, he's distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought those were really fun and how like trick or treating has evolved and then just other fun little things that 
just our minds and as a culture that Mm -hmm. we can hear stories and then how they just kind of change over the years. So that was really interesting. I agree. I like doing a little research because I mean, it's like, it's like most things you've done it forever. So it's just Mm -hmm. a part of what you do. And you obviously hear stories about like, Oh, you know, it originated here or this is why it was started or whatever. And you just kind of go like with what you're told. You don't really mm-hmm. do the research and figure it out and whatever. So I thought it was fun to just, yeah, to just do some research and look up some things and the history behind the things that we do every fall for Halloween. And um, yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. <laughs> hope the rest of you guys enjoyed it and maybe learned something new that you didn't know about before that now you can share some knowledge yes. um, with your friends <laughs> I'm one of those friends I'm always like did you know yeah and you know what's so interesting too is that actually brings me back to a conversation me and my brother were having a couple of weeks ago is it's funny because you know we have like so much at our fingertips we have, you know, the entire internet in our pockets with our phones. Yeah. And yet it's like we ask so much less now when yeah. we could be asking and having so much more. So I always enjoy whenever you bring me something like this because it just kind of, it's good for, for your mind. And I, I enjoy doing that. Yeah, I do too. I love it. Mm-hmm. We hope the rest of you guys loved it as well. As always, definitely go check out our Instagram, all the things with CNB um and uh go you know if you're listening on spotify please go give us a five-star rating we would so appreciate it mm-hmm. if there's anything special you want to hear go find either our personal instagrams or go to our podcast instagram and let us know what you would like to hear and we hope you enjoyed it and we hope that you're having a great october so far and we love you guys have a great week yes thanks Bye. Bye.